Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh, sister. How are you? Alaikum assalam wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Alhamdulillah, I'm fine. How are you, sister? Alhamdulillah, alhamdulillah, very well, thank you. Sister, um, could you introduce yourself for us and let us know a little bit about what you do, inshallah? Sure. So I go by the name Burkavian on Instagram and I am uh, I'm married. I'm a mother of two and I am basically I'm a traveler and uh, yeah, I guess that's it. Alhamdulillah. Jazakallah khair for joining us today on the Niqabi Diaries. Really appreciate it. So can you tell us what is the meaning of Burkavian? Yeah, it basically it's a combination of two words. It's uh, the w one is obviously burqa, because mm -hmm. I wear a burqa or a nabaya, you can say. Mm -hmm. And avian is an ad adjective. It means it, it it is something that is related to birds. So I thought of a name burkavian that I always thought of myself as a free spirit or a or a free bird. <laughs> so I came up with burkavian. Mashallah, that's a really nice name. I like that, Mashallah. Because when I when I saw your Instagram and I looked at the name, I, I could see the burqa part in the beginning, but I was thinking, like, what is the meaning of this? Alhamdulillah, it's very nice. So can you explain to us, you said you're a traveller. What does that entail? Um, basically, I'm not a full-time traveller, but I, I do love to travel, and my husband loves it too. So whenever we get time, when he gets off work, and I can manage with, you know, uh, have the kids uh, somebody have the kids babysit and then we go on uh, traveling explore Pakistan and basically for me um, it's it's not just traveling and it's it's a spiritual journey for me as well because I find solace in traveling and I find myself closer to Allah when I'm traveling and it, whenever I'm close to nature it, it makes me think about Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that's more about it I think Alhamdulillah I, I can definitely identify with that mashallah so um, you, you obviously you wear the niqab so what made you want to wear it how long have you been wearing it so um, I've, I'm wearing it uh, since uh, 2007 so it makes it about 12 years I think okay Alhamdulillah yeah and uh, uh, what made me wear it, uh, it's a long story, I hope you don't yes, mind. please, can you tell us? Yeah, I mean, it, it wasn't just overnight, and there were a good seven to eight months, and it all started when I was in the university, I was studying engineering, and at that time, I didn't uh, cover my head. Okay. Um, I was in sort of practicing in the sense that I... I prayed regularly, I read the Quran, I fasted, the usual, but I just didn't cover my head. Okay. So anyway, it was Ramadan and I was uh, heading home one weekend. It, uh, I was at the bus stop waiting for the bus when a lady appeared and she approached me and she was fully covered like the, she wore the abaya and the niqab and she said, excuse me. And I thought maybe um, she wants to inquire about a bus or some place so I said yes and then she caught me off guard and she said are you a Muslim and <laughs> I was I was confused by this question and I thought that I didn't hear her right or something but then I said yes and she said are you fasting 
And I said, yes. And then she asked, then why aren't you covering your head? So at that point, I was very furious. And I replied uh, rudely that it's none of your business. And then the bus came and I went about my business. And then on Sunday, you know, it was 2005 and a massive earthquake hit Pakistan that day. It had caused a lot of damage. There were lots of deaths. And it was enough to, you know, jolt everybody. But uh, I was safe. My family was safe. Alhamdulillah. Alhamdulillah. And then I had to head back to the university. So while I was traveling, you know, I studied in a different city. So I had about two hours of traveling time. So, um, and while I was traveling, I kept thinking and thanking uh, Allah that I was safe and that um, they were, and there were people who slept and they never woke up. And then all of a sudden, I remembered that girl and her question. And once again, I was all furious and fuming and thinking, <laughs> who does she think she is <laughs> asking me such a question? What kind of question was that? I mean, was she dumb or anything asking me, are you Muslim? <laughs> of course I'm a Muslim. <laughs> I live in a Muslim country. And, uh, um, don't I, and then, of course, don't I look like a Muslim? And at that point, a voice um, firmly answered in my head, no, no, you don't like, look like a Muslim. And I was in a moment of, uh, you can say, shock temporarily. And, you know, and then slowly I let my conscience take over and thought that you know, I'm Asian. I have Indian looks. And let's say that I was in some other country, Britain maybe, and, and I died somehow traveling. And how would people know that I am a Muslim and I need to be buried and not a Hindu and burnt. And then I realized that if only I had a head covering, a scarf or anything, they'd know for sure that, yeah, she's Muslim and she needs to be buried. And so um, uh, it began and I was, uh, you know, I thought that if, uh, you know, a, a, a single piece of head covering can make me look like Muslim, so what is it to me? I mean, what's stopping me from uh, making me look like a Muslim? Alhamdulillah, I'm proud to be a Muslim and I wouldn't want otherwise. So I thought, okay, so it's just a piece of cloth and nothing else. And you can just, you know, put it on your head and you can still show your hair and just <laughs> pin it a bit. And then I asked, it was Ramadan, with the shaitan probably locked up. And then I said, okay, Allah, oh Allah, help me, guide me. And the next morning, I was, uh, I was covering my head with the dupatta. And it wasn't uh, properly covered, but mm. at least I started. And so it basically started from there. And uh, with that, uh, slowly with the passage of time, I mean, four or five months later, I started, uh, you know, covering my head properly with a scarf, and and then um, the the sleeves of my clothes uh, slowly <laughs> they became, you know, proper with with my arms covering. And after maybe uh, about two three months later, I was uh, a friend of mine had taken me, uh, taken me to an Islamic school, and there was some kind of lecture there. And while we were waiting. There was a 
poster uh, they had displayed outside. And it basically said that uh, uh, there was a main question and it said that, why don't you wear the hijab? And what are the reasons that stop you from wearing the hijab? And there were a list of reasons uh, and that anybody could possibly, you know, think of that. Uh, how would I look? I wouldn't look nice. And what would people say? And I mean, every other question was there. And I went through uh, all of them and thinking, yeah, that's what I think. That's what I think. And at the end of the poster, there was just one little thing mentioned. And it was a part of an ayah from the Quran. And it said uh, that um, I, I surrender. I accept and I surrender. And and that it just, you know, uh, um, I had, you know, a kind of shara said that it just went deep into my heart and I just felt that, yes, that's what I need to do as well. And I said then and there that, oh Allah, I surrender too. Okay, if that's what you want, I surrender too. And then I started wearing the abaya and then when I had enough courage, <laughs> I started the niqab and since then been a never-ending story. Alhamdulillah, mashallah, that's a beautiful story. Alhamdulillah, wow. <laughs> so, so with your transition, mashallah, obviously it's, it was quite a long, um, you know, process, but mashallah, a very beautiful process as well. Did you find it easy starting to wear the niqab? Uh, actually, um, you know, when I was, um, I, I always, I, often I used to think about starting it, but mm -hmm. uh, I, as you can say, the society pressure or peer pressure or anything, but uh, the, that, the ayah, that uh, actually helped me a lot. And I said, okay, if, if I have to surrender, then it has to be fully surrender. You know, it has mm -hmm. to be a full surrender. So it was basically a big leap, but once I did it, then I didn't really have any obstacle or any difficulties alhamdulillah mashallah basically you just have to take a leap of faith that's it yeah subhanallah i think this is the main thing like when we reflect on the meaning of islam itself that it means submission to allah then it makes other things in, in life very easy i think any decision that you want to make if you remember that you're supposed to submit to allah and that's the main thing and that's what that's your main worry then everything, all the other decisions in your life will become easier, inshallah. Helps yeah, to put things yeah. in perspective all the time. Alhamdulillah. So did you find any kind of obstacles from anyone in your family for wearing it? Like, because you've obviously you've made quite a big turnaround um, from not wearing it. Um, not really, you know, uh, um, covering your face, a veil or niqab, it isn't very uncommon in Pakistan. My family is quite open to... Uh, anything and they didn't actually um, you know stop me but just the usual you know my my family my brothers and my sister they used to joke around and uh, you know they've never meant anything obviously uh, but they used to joke around that oh my god <laughs> you started this face covering now what's gonna happen they used to you know find it difficult when when if we were eating out they'd find it difficult to find a place for me at the corner mm. because at that time it was I was new I didn't know how to eat with the niqab on so I I preferred as um, you know a place that that was in the corner 
So with the passage of time, they, they got used to, and that's it. They didn't really, you know, stop me or anything. Mashallah, they just used to joke around a bit. That's it. Alhamdulillah. So you mentioned earlier on that you um, studied engineering at university. So have you been working as an engineer or if, if not, what kind of work have you been uh, doing? Uh, not really. I, I did study uh, engineering. I am a textile engineer. I okay. majored in yarn manufacturing. Yeah. But, uh, you know, by the end of the university, you know, as I just told you, I had a quite a bit of uh, transition mm -hmm. or a journey, you can say. So when I ended my uh, education, I, uh, I was really interested in, um, you know, understanding the Quran. I read it, I used to recite it, but obviously uh, I, I'm not Arabic. I, I didn't uh, understand what it said. I had to read the translation. And for me, uh, reading the translation was a tricky part. I, I got bored. And then, um, you know, I just, I just um, thought that why don't, uh, why am I not able to understand Quran as it is? And I wanted to understand it. I, I just as I did, I, I didn't want to read any translations. So I I I went to an Islamic institution, if you know Al Huda um, Dr. Farah Tashmi, and there I studied. Great. Yeah. So I studied for a year over there, and now Alhamdulillah, I can understand Quran without any translation. Alhamdulillah. And uh, that's it. So I left my engineering. And, uh, but I've worked on and off. I've worked as a teacher mm -hmm. um, and uh, that's it. And how did you find that? Where in the niqab? Um, there was only one, uh, once when I wore it uh, actually in, the, in this school. Otherwise, uh, you know, with kids around, I don't wear the niqab in the classroom. Yeah, alhamdulillah, because you don't need it, so. Yeah. Yeah, alhamdulillah. So, I think that's one thing that um, people have like a misconception. They think that you have to, once you're wearing the niqab, you have to be wearing it like consistently all the time. But actually, if you're, if you're in an environment where there's no, you know, non-mahram males, no, you know, males that you're not related to, then you can show your face, especially to young children. I think there's a lot of misconceptions that we have in our head, but once we come across them, uh, then we realize that there's no such thing. It's it's not such a big deal. Alhamdulillah. So would you say that the niqab is a barrier? And if so, why or why not? No, no, I don't think it's a barrier. I think uh, that is just something that's in our head. I mean, uh, it doesn't stop us from doing what we want. I mean, uh, if, if I take my example, it hasn't stopped me from traveling and having fun and doing what I want. So I don't think it's a and a wrong one. Alhamdulillah, we just had a little bit of lagging there. So you said that you don't think it's a barrier. It just did a little bit of lagging. But Alhamdulillah, you're still online, sister? Oh, yeah, uh, I'll repeat it again. Uh, can you hear me? Yes. So I, I, I said that um, I don't think it's a barrier. I think it's just in our heads. It's uh, basically people perceive it that way it's not that I mean if you look at me it's, it hasn't stopped me from anything I, I travel with it and I do what I want I can have fun and there's nothing uh, stopping me 
So I think it's just a perception and a wrong one as well. Alhamdulillah. Alhamdulillah. So have you met anybody who would like to wear the niqab, for example, but they haven't or they feel like maybe self-conscious or they don't have the confidence to wear it? Uh, yes, I can. I did have a few friends at the time, and uh, but most of them overcame their, you know, whatever they were thinking, and they did start in the end. Because if you, I think, if you really believe in something, then it will lead you to it. If if you if you really want to do something, you'll you know sort it out and. Uh, You'll end up doing it anyway. So that's what happened to them as well. Alhamdulillah, mashallah, that's great. Alhamdulillah. So have have you have you met anybody who wears the? You said that obviously in Pakistan, the like the niqab is still is quite common in some places. Um, yeah, it's not un, it, it's not uncommon, mm -hmm. and uh, you know people a lot of people wear it. So. Uh, Many don't. Many, like I used to be, they don't cover their head even. So it's uh, many, there's no, uh, you know, I, I haven't met anybody who's who's been forced to wear it. Alhamdulillah. Alhamdulillah, that's good. Alhamdulillah. So, um, do you feel, as somebody who's obviously gone through the three stages from not wearing it to then wearing the hijab to then wearing the niqab, do you feel that you get treated differently um, wearing the niqab now than before when you wasn't wearing a hijab or wearing the hijab? Uh, if I talk about myself, you know, uh, when it comes to me only, then I'm more confident. I think their reluctance to, you know, uh, if somebody is there with a niqab on, people would be reluctant to initiate any, uh, you know, uh, any conversation with them. Mm -hmm. But it's up to us, you know. So usually I, I understand that bit. So uh, it's usually I, I, I don't mind initiating a conversation. And once, once I do, or once people, you know, they do uh, start a conversation, then they get, you know, um, comfortable I think it's not a big deal afterwards you just have to start the conversation you just have to you know they're, they're waiting for you they're not sure what are you thinking whether you'd like to be part of a conversation or not so that sort of thing alhamdulillah yeah that's I find the same thing as well actually because yeah people people just don't know they're unsure and as well I think at least living in the UK um, I think there's a misconception as well with wearing the niqab that sometimes people think that you might not be able to speak English. So mm -hmm, yeah. Well. yeah, yeah, that goes. That goes with me as well. You know, usually people don't expect that, and and when I tell them, it comes as a shock for them that I am an engineer, and then so it it does come as a shock to them, and I I, I kind of enjoy that that part. Oh, yeah. so it's not that. It's quite the opposite, actually. Alhamdulillah. So can you just tell us more about your travel sister, like some of your experiences in Pakistan? Have you have you been anywhere other than Pakistan? Um, I have lived uh, for a few years in Saudi I've visited uh, the UK as well. And I, I once visited uh, um, Dubai as well. But uh, 
when I visited the UK, that was, uh, you know, quite long ago. I, I didn't wear any abaya on a car back then. So I had, uh, you know, I, I once had a funny experience in Dubai. I, I, my brother used to be there and I went uh, to this Atlantic water park. Um, it was, it's, it's a water park with the rides and stuff. So I went with my uh, brother and my sister-in-law and my brother wasn't sure. He said that um, he asked at the reception if if my sister can can go with this with the whole abaya. I was wearing the the abaya, the niqab, and the socks as well. Yeah, <laughs> I, was, yeah. I was fully covered in black, and he wasn't sure if they'd let me in. So he asked at the reception if uh, if it's okay with the you know park regulations and stuff if my sister comes in, in full clothing and. Uh, so they said, no, it's, it's, it's not the maximum, but the minimum that we are concerned about. <laughs> you have to have something, you know, barely on or minimum uh, to enter the park. And we're not concerned with the maximum. I find that really funny. And uh, then I've had quite good experiences uh, when it comes to traveling. I have, uh, you know, very amazing experiences in Pakistan as well, because Pakistan is mostly where I started, you know, traveling as a traveler, you know. So, um, um, you know, Pakistan is called the land of hospitality. Yeah. And uh -huh. it's uh, that hospitality, although I am a Pakistani myself, but uh, I got to see that uh, hospitality when I was in the north and the mountains, and that's uh, you know we went once. Um, I was on the motorbike with my husband, and we were camping somewhere. It, was, it had started wow. to get yeah, so it had started to get dark, and uh, we were trying to set up our camp, and then suddenly um, a man came. Um, it was it was an open uh, forest-like place. It was a, a Kumrat Valley. It's very famous here. And uh, the man came and uh, he said that uh, my my girls had passed through uh, your tent and they told me and that there was a lady uh, with a man who who were trying to set up their camp. And I came here um, to inquire that are are you going to sleep in in that tent? <laughs> so I said yes. They said, no, I can't let that, uh, you know, happen. Uh, my house is really close by. It's not a big house, but I can't let you stay. He was talking to my husband that I can't let you stay with your wife in there when my house is so nearby. So, uh, no, I, um, yeah, I can't allow that. You have to, uh, you know, go with me and spend the night at my house. Alhamdulillah. And we, we tried to, you know, um, we tried to stop him, but he he insisted so much, and then we ended up uh, spending the night at his home. And you know, he he, he just lived in a, in one bedroom, in one room house, and on top of that, uh, you know, house he had a, a big tent first uh, on that house, so that's where we stayed. And uh, I was thinking that you know uh, how big is his heart and everything so the next morning when we were coming back uh, I met his wife as well but they spoke a different language so he said uh, she said something to him and he translated he said that my wife uh, was asking that you can 
ask them, I mean, ask for our number and uh, name. So he, he, he said that, um, I said, no, I'm not going to ask their name and I'm not going to ask them for their number. And what for? Because I let them stay in my house so I can go over and then stay at their house when I go over to their place. So that's not what I uh, intended to do when I asked them over to stay. I, I asked them over to stay for Allah and I didn't expect any favor in return. So I'm not going to ask their phone numbers or their names. So I did it for Allah and that's it. Alhamdulillah, that's beautiful. Mashallah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, that was a really beautiful experiences and I had quite a few similar experiences there as well. So that's it. Mashallah, that sounds amazing. The, yeah, it is. Especially in the mountains, the people really are, you know, they are very welcoming, they're very loving, very caring. So, Alhamdulillah. So, do you, when you do your traveling around Pakistan, are you going? Are you always traveling by motorbike? No, not always. We used to travel by car, and uh, once uh, we were traveling um, to the north, and we had an accident. And it was, uh, yeah, it was quite bad that uh, our car got nearly uh, smashed. We were fine, alhamdulillah. alhamdulillah. So for uh, for for quite some time, we were left without a car, and uh, but obviously we both me and my husband we're so fond of traveling, and uh, it's like you know, uh, food to our souls, and we we can't live without traveling that long. So my husband, uh, he then bought a motorbike, and then we started our journeys on the bike, and. Uh, we do have a car now and a motorbike. So whatever suits us, we use that means of transport. Alhamdulillah. Mashallah, it sounds very romantic as well, actually. <laughs> yeah, it is. If, it is romantic if it's only just the two of us, you know. But the case it gets a bit difficult, but still. And I'm still, you know, planning. This time we're planning a trip to the south with the kids as well. Inshallah. So what about traveling with children? Because... I find that a lot of sisters are quite reluctant to travel with children, especially when they're young. They have like, you know, like maybe some kind of anxiety or they have, you know, they feel, feel that is, there's too much difficulty. So, you know, they can't do something because of they've got children. They find that having kids is restrictive. What kind of advice do you have? Or how do you manage that? Obviously, if, if you travel without the kids, it's much easier but it's not impossible to travel with the kids. I mean, you have to just plan beforehand that where you're going to stay and we plan like where we're going to eat, what, what kind of dry food we can keep for the kids. And uh, if we plan you know, properly beforehand that, okay, if we're going to travel this much, then we, we have, we'll stop here. So things get easier then. It's not that difficult. Alhamdulillah, mashallah. Mashallah, sounds really amazing. So what's your, um, what's your Instagram tag then? Uh, it's uh, Burkavian. Okay, Mashallah. So I'll, inshallah, I'll put a link in the description so that people can find you because I'm sure that there's going to be a lot of people who are really interested in what you do, um, especially the, obviously traveling and Mashallah, you've got some beautiful pictures on your Instagram page as well. Yes, I've just only uh, started... Uh, the page and uh, basically I, it, it took me a good eight or nine years to 
get the courage to put I, I'm quite really? a private person so, <laughs> so it's taken me a long time to get the courage to post it online and stuff so and basically what made me post them was I wanted to be, break the stereotype image that a person with a buyer and a niqab um, you know they can travel they can have fun because usually what happens is that people you know they get a whenever they see a person with an abaya and a niqab, they get an image that um, that person must be, you know, very pious and he doesn't want any to do uh, anything to do with the dunya or something like that. Mm -hmm. So it, it's a bit of a challenge for me as well, you know, to live up to that reputation because after all, we are humans and we are bound to err and we are sinful. Everybody has, nobody's perfect. So uh, it, it, it is, a, you know, the one, uh, as you were asking about barrier. So I can say that this is one uh, aspect in which I have, uh, you know, uh, I've, um, I have reservations or I feel difficulties that it's the expectation of the people when they see a Nakabi. Mm. And uh, people often think that, you know, now you're, you're wearing a Nakabi, you can't, you know, have fun, you can't do all the things that, I usually do so that made me you know put the stuff online and and that it's not that I mean it's uh, the people need to understand that this is just a dress code it's yes, not the personality the personality is behind that niqab and everybody has uh, different personalities they can be shy they can be confident they can be you know fun loving and so we have to accept their personality not you know think of them otherwise or not label them as uh, you know nikabi or something that so that's that's a bit of a struggle you know there are guilt feelings as well for example if we end up doing something that uh, you know people weren't expecting and and then you come across some guilt feeling as well that oh maybe i'm you know um, whether i want it or not or i am after all, an ambassador of Islam, and um, I don't know if I lived up to that rep uh, reputation or not, or I don't know if I, uh, you know, made somebody um, go off, uh, you know, if I've put off somebody from Islam. So in the end, I just asked Allah to, you know, um, help me and guide me and don't let anybody you know, I may I not be the reason that anybody is put off from Islam. Alhamdulillah. Khair, inshallah. Mashallah, that's really beautiful advice. And um, I definitely can agree with you, like, on those points as well, because I, I do have the same experience too. Um, finally, sister, just to close off the interview, um, can you give any advice to sisters who might want to wear the niqab or they're thinking about it, um, but they're afraid to wear it? Yeah, I, 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 I tell them not to, you know, rush in and take their time and really, you know, think about why do they want to do it? Because if they, if they want to please Allah, that's fine, you know, that's basically why we do different things in Islam. But they, they really have to understand the reasons behind it, that why or or. And they have they have to ask themselves, uh, you know, themselves that are they, uh, you know, willing to surrender to Allah? 
and for somebody it's uh, you know it's not e that easy i think for everybody for somebody wearing a niqab is easier and offering their salah is probably difficult for somebody offering salah is easier and wearing the niqab is matlab um, not not that easy so uh, you really have to go deep down and think oh well why do you want to do it and and when you're make, when you're sure in your heart then you can start doing it and and then once you do it you you shouldn't go back you know you should keep that in mind that once you do it then then it's better if you don't go back when i did i did, i did that i not the niqab i used to wear the scarf on and off because i didn't really understand the purpose behind it yes. but once i was you know doing it consciously i never went back alhamdulillah mashallah so finally what does the niqab mean to you well uh, it's part of me now it's it's part of my personality my identity you know as i said that i wanted to look like a muslim it not only makes me look like a muslim it also makes me feel like a muslim and it's it's something that's very close to my heart because i when i did it i i actually kind of uh, you know i i did it to please allah and in a way i thought that it was something that i wanted to give allah from my part you know it's always been that allah has given us so much but what have we done for allah so it was kind of like my gift to allah subhanahu wa taala so it's something that's really close to my heart something that i cherish and uh, that's it alhamdulillah jazakallah khair sis i really appreciate you taking your time to give this interview and mashallah it's been very inspirational and i'm sure that the listeners will thoroughly enjoy it too inshallah Allah, thank you, Sister Jazakallah. Wa'iyak. Okay, Sister Jazakallah khair. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Wa alaikum assalam wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.